So I want to start by asking you a question. How do you know truth today? How do we know what's true? I, I hear a lot out there um, in the world of competing truth claims about what's real, what's not, what's factual, what's not. And we have all these different claims out there that are competing with each other. And when you boil it down, I think a lot of the times when I'm listening to these people that have conflicting views on something, well, what, what they're really arguing based on is what their sources of truth are, where they believe truth is found. And it used to be um, a while back, like when I was in, in university, um, I heard a lot about this thing called postmodernism. Okay, have, have you guys heard of this? Anybody? Okay. It's not as big. I don't hear as much of it today. It might just be the circles I run in now. I'm not hearing as much of it probably in academia. They're probably still talking about it more than, than I do. But they were promoting that this was going to be the major worldview. It's this postmodernism. It's a view past modernism. So after you get done with modernism, you get postmodernism, and that's where the whole world um, was or is going, according to these people. Um, and one of the, the views held within postmodernism is a view that you, there really is no objective truth, um, that there is no ultimate truth, um, and in that view, as they apply that and as that trickles down, it comes down even to the meaning of words, um, that words are just their meaning is interpreted by the hearer or the reader, not by the one conveying them what the original meaning was. It's just words are just words, so you can interpret them how you choose to make your own point and your own understanding because it's ultimately about you finding this truth, okay? Have you guys look about as bored as I did when I was in classes learning about this? Um, but one of my university classes where we were learning this, uh, about this, thankfully my professor didn't hold to this view, but he was just trying to teach us what this view said. Um, but it came to the final exam uh, for that class, and so uh, me being a little, well, who I am, um, b- before he passed out the exam, I raised my hand, and he said, yes, Wayne. And I, I asked him, I said, so if it just happens that there's a question on the exam about uh, postmodernism, um, if we all just leave it blank, will you interpret the blankness of the paper um, as the right answer? Um, because really the meaning is all in you, not in us. And he said, well, I would interpret that as a, a failing grade. Um, because that was, in fact, the essay question on the exam. Um, and so, uh, so I ended up answering the essay question, and as I was turning in, he kind of got me back, and he's like, so I see you decided to actually write something down. I said, yeah, yeah, I did, thanks. Um, and so, uh, because that just doesn't hold up, right? Like, you can't just say, like, well, words have no meaning, um, I'm, not, I'm not hearing this as much anymore. Like one of the most famous ones uh, was probably Bill Clinton's, uh, it depends on what the definition of is is, right? Like that, was, that one was it's like, what? 
Um, but that was this worldview. That was this, like, you can't even really have meaning behind words. And so how can you get to truth if words don't even have meaning? Um, but I've seen a shift in the culture and in the groups that kind of run in this to where no longer are they talking that way so much as they're ta- now talking in such a way as find your own truth, right? What is your truth? What is true to you? Like, I hear this a lot today. You guys hearing this out there? So find your own truth. What's true to you? Um, and it's still, that puts the honest on me that I get to be the one that defines what truth is. Um, I'm the one that gets to define truth for me. Um, so I was, I was thinking about this, and I was like, well, how, how does this play out? Um, I just saw um, online that there is a castle for sale over in Cherryville. Have you guys seen this? Okay, so this house is for sale for $3.45 million. Um, it has 3,200 square feet. Um, it has its own drawbridge and moat. Um, it comes with eight acres, um, and it's along the Shushwap River. Uh, it has three bedrooms and five bathrooms, and the entire roof serves as an outdoor patio. Uh, and in a pinch, the, the roof can be used for defense from marauders. Um, it is currently decorated in a medieval theme as well, with suits of armor, cannons, swords, and more. Okay? Now, you're like, where are you going with this one? Here's where I'm going. If I were to go over to the Shushwap and invade this castle and take it as my own, pull up the drawbridge and arm myself on the roof to defend off marauders and say, this is my truth. I own this castle because I invaded it. Do you think that's going to hold up? How long do you think it's going to be before the RCMB RCMP is invading my castle. <laughs> Not very long. I imagine helicopters are coming in pretty soon, and I don't think I can defeat them like I could marauders uh, from the roof. Um, no, because why? it's not true. Why, why is it not true? Because somebody else has the property deed. Somebody else has the legal binding document saying, this belongs to me, Right? And so without me paying the $3.45 million, um, it does not belong to me. It belongs to that person, even though my truth, I might say, well, it's true to me. I believe this. I believe this is mine. Well, and they would say, you're wrong. And that's where this whole view of my truth falls apart. Because if, if it's just up to us to define what our truth is, then it's, it's not really true. So, what do we need? We need a source of truth that is ultimately true and ultimately true for everyone. And you say, where on earth could you find such a thing? I'm glad you asked. It's right here. It's God's Word. It's um, the one who created us all, that put all of this into place, put all of us here. He's the one who said, here's what's true. Here's what's real. And, And so, with that, we're able to say, hey, here is the truth. And you say, okay, well, you, you believe that. That's true for you. I'm like, well, okay. Well, it's going to be true for everybody at some point. Um, and I want us to jump into our verse for today, John 10, 
And we're going to be looking at something here where we've seen a lot kind of in the past few weeks where Jesus is, is having these debates with people and they keep accusing him of stuff and they're upset with him and they try to kill him and then he gets away and all this kind of stuff. Like this. So it's kind of a, a, a reoccurring theme that we're seeing here. So some of today's passage we're not going to spend a lot of time on because we've already seen these things already. Um, but part of what we are going to dig into today is Jesus' defense of himself and what he uses as his standard for defending himself. So we're in John 10, starting in verse 31. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. <laughs> this is like their go-to thing. I'm mad at you. Rocks. Get rocks. I'm going to throw at you. Jesus answered them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered him, It is not for good works that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. So this is their accusation against Jesus, is you claim to be God. And did he claim that? Yes, he did. They were understanding him. They were understanding the truth of what he was saying. And so they are saying, here's our reason that we're going to kill you. It's because you claim to be God. And so here's a truth claim for you today that I'm making based on the word of God. Jesus is fully God and fully man. He's fully God because only God is sinless. He's fully man because only man could die. And so for us to be able to be saved, for us to have a sacrifice that could take our place before God, a sinless, holy, perfect sacrifice, it had to be a sinless one, fully God, and man, because only man can die. And so Jesus, being fully God, fully man, was the only one who could take our place on that cross and die paying the punishment for us. Something that we, all of us who are followers of Christ, should be eternally grateful for and should especially give thanks for this Thanksgiving is the fact that Jesus is who he is and he did what he did on the cross for us. But these people leading up to it are ready to kill him. But the thing is, it's not his time yet. He's not ready to lay down his life yet. And so again, he evades their, their, their attempt. Um, but here, um, they're, they're saying this to him. They're saying, hey, here's the charge against you. And even when we see him in his trials going to the cross, it's the same charge. This is what they're, they're charging him with. It's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. You're blaspheming by saying that you are equating yourself with God. So what's Jesus' response? What is, what's his comeback to them? And Jesus answered them, verse 34, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be broken. Okay, now this is where I want us to dig in a little bit more. Because what Jesus is doing here is he's taking God's word and he's applying it to the situation. And if we're going to be followers of Christ, this is something that we need to learn to do well, is take God's word and apply it to our situation. Um, and so what is Jesus quoting here? Um, does anybody know just off the top of your head where he's quoting without looking at your notes? It's in the Psalms. Very good. Um, so we're in Psalm 82 is where Jesus is quoting from. 
And, and so here, uh, let's, let's dig into Psalm 82, see what Psalm 82 is saying, and then go back and see how Jesus is using it in his, his defense with these people who are ready to throw rocks at him. Psalm 82, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy and deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are God's. Son of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. So Jesus is specifically quoting verse 6. I said, you are God's sons of the Most High, all of you. Okay, so that's the verse that he quotes. Um, But for us to understand that context, I thought it'd be good for us to kind of unpack what is Psalm 82 saying here. So I thought, well, if, if I were preaching a sermon on Psalm 82, which I'm not, um, probably the main point of the sermon would be that God is the ultimate judge and human rulers are to conduct themselves in a just manner like him. The first point of that sermon, if I were to be preaching such a sermon, uh, would be that God holds judgment. Second point, if I were preaching a sermon like that, would probably be that earthly rulers are charged with carrying out God's justice here and now. Subpoint under that would be um, the fact that, that here those earthly rulers are called sons of God. Why? Because they are charged with the role of carrying out God's justice here on earth, just as God carries out in all of eternity. Um, so earthly rulers are charged in this psalm with being just and being fair. Okay, so Psalm 82 is talking about the fact that earthly rulers are charged with carrying out God's justice here and now. Um, And so with this, we see that he's calling uh, these earthly rulers sons of God in the sense that they are supposed to be imitating God, working with God as God in in the earth to be fair and just, to have a fair and just um, situation here on earth. So that would be the second point if I were preaching that sermon. Uh, the third and final point would be this, that God will be the ultimate judge even over earthly rulers. Um, and so uh, the psalmist isn't fully equating these guys with God, um, but he is saying, hey, what you're supposed to be doing in your job, in your role is imitating God and working as he does. So that would be a, psalm, a sermon on Psalm 82 if I were preaching that passage, but I'm not. So we're, we're in John 10, uh, 31 to 42 is where we are today. Um, so let's take what we, we learned from Psalm 82 and see what Jesus says here. Um, so here in, back in John 10, uh, Jesus takes that and he's saying, hey, your charge against me is that I am blaspheming by saying that I am the Son of God. That you're saying that is uh, an ultimate charge worthy of the death penalty. Um, is to 
to, to make that claim. But here's what I see in Scripture. Here's what the Word of God says. The Word of God says that even earthly rulers are called sons of God. That they're, it's, they're called sons of God in your word, in the law which you hold to be so dear, in what is true. And so he's taking the word of God and he's making a defense uh, for himself based on that. Um, and he's making a defense um, for that and being able to say like, hey, here's the truth from the word. And what does he say here? And scripture cannot be broken. Scripture cannot be broken. Scripture is true, and it cannot be broken. And so because Scripture is true, and it cannot be broken, he has a source of truth that stands up to time that says, yes, this is true. This holds up. And because of this truth, I can, I can defend myself based on this. Now, his accusers, what we don't see from them is anything backing up their claims. We don't see from them any source of truth, any quoting of Scripture against Jesus. And so I was thinking of this, I was reminded of um, uh, an old missionary uh, friend that, that I used to know. Um, this was a guy that served uh, in the, the mountains of Guatemala for um, for his whole life, basically, um, until he retired. And uh, he's one of those guys that went to the remote um, native villages, and he, would, uh, he was known in that part of the world by all the people, and he was one of these guys that, in that, that time, the way you reached these villages was you'd ride a donkey in there, and he was a very uh, lanky, tall man, and so his feet would be dragging the ground as he's riding this donkey coming into these villages. But... Um, he was just a, a really a godly man who I really look up to. Um, but he was known for a saying. And his saying was this. You got Bible for that? Um, and so people would be talking about what they believed about this or that or whatever. And uh, they had this view of Jesus. They had this view of God. They had this view of spirituality, whatever. And his response was, well, you got Bible for that? Um, and that is a great question for us to ask ourselves. Um, as we approach truth, as we approach what we believe, is, you got Bible for that? I mean, we can, we can make up all kinds of stuff. We can say all kinds of stuff that feels good, sounds good, whatever. But ultimately, the question is, do you have anything to back it up? Do you have anything to, to support what you're saying? And Jesus here obviously has Bible for that. He's saying, hey, here's, here's what, the way this phrase is even used there. And so you're saying just about me saying the same thing today, like this is blasphemy? Like, no, like then that would mean the psalmist was blaspheming by saying this. Now, I want to be clear. Is Jesus here saying that the way Psalm 82 is talking about earthly rulers, that he himself is just on that level? No. That's not what he's saying, because we know, and it's clear from the other things that Jesus says, that he is far above earthly rulers. Um, he is the second person of the Trinity. He is the, the one and only begotten Son of God, um, as it says in John 3. Um, and so we, we know that he isn't just equating himself with those guys, 
in Psalm 82. Um, but what he is doing here is he's able to say, hey, your charge against me doesn't hold up. Because it wouldn't even have held up to Psalm 82. So why would it hold up now? Like, this isn't valid. This isn't a good argument. This isn't um, a good uh, charge against me. And so, um, so yeah, he, then he goes on in what he's saying here as he's making this defense of himself. And he says this in verse 36. Do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming? Because I said, I am the Son of God. So they're saying, are you calling God a blasphemer, the Father? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And so Jesus is, is saying here, he's like, you can't base your whole argument just on what I said. You've got to like measure what I said against my life. Do, do these things that I do, do they measure up to the claims that I'm making? Do these things that I do, do they measure up with what's, what's true? And what we see with Jesus is that Jesus' life and works validated his words. What, the things that he said and the things that he did matched up. And that was all based on the truth, based on the truth of the word of God. And so as they're coming at him initially, he's saying, hey, you're coming to stone me. For which of the good things I've done are you going to do this? Because he's getting to the point. He's saying, hey, the, the validation of who I am and of what I've said about being um, the son of God and what you're even charging me with of being, making the claim that I am equal to God, the, the, the question all boils down to is what I'm doing measuring up to that? Is what I'm doing, does it in keeping with that, right? Just like if I occupied the castle, it doesn't measure up because I don't have the truth backing me up of the deed. Well, if you have the deed and you occupy the castle, then yes, it is yours. Well, the same is true with Jesus in his life. He had the deed being his works, his ministry, and also the word of God all backing him up so that when he made these claims, they held up to be true. And the ultimate validation and the ultimate thing that he did was the fact that he went to the cross for us, that he died on the cross paying the punishment for sin. And it was validated by the fact that he rose again three days later. By the fact that, that he rose from the dead, we know that, yes, he was who he said he was, and he can do what he claimed to be able to do. And so it is in that that we see the real truth. We see a real validity there. And so, um, again, uh, verse 39, again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped from their hands. So again, we see this, this mob, this crowd, they're ready to throw rocks at him. He talks to him for a minute. Now they're ready to arrest him. And what does he do? He walks off. Why? Because he was who he said he was. He was divine. He was God. He was able to just walk away. 
from a mob that was ready to kill him or execute him. Which means even more that when he's just off in some garden in the middle of the night and some soldiers come and he willingly goes with them, it was completely by his choice because he said, it is my time to do what I'm supposed to do laying down my life. What we see here is that while it is sad that some of these people, they obviously don't believe in him, they don't believe in what he said, it goes on, after he walks away, he went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him, and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true, and many believed in him there. And so he leaves that place, and he goes back to where John's original ministry was, and he's doing ministry there, and many people believe in him there. Now, this is, we could do a whole sermon just in, in this passage right here, because this is really cool, and this is really important to note, even for us today. Because these people in this area heard John the Baptist preach. They knew what John had said about the one who was coming after him. They knew that Jesus was that one. Many of them probably were there when Jesus was baptized. Uh, Many of them all saw all of this transpire. But yet, it seems by reading this verse that it was at this moment when Jesus came back to them that at this moment they believed. So even though they had had so much exposure up until now, It was at this moment that they believed. And I think that should be a great encouragement for us. I know a lot of you guys had questions after last week's message um, relating to your loved ones who aren't walking with the Lord. Let's be encouraged that we don't know at what moment some people will believe. And they might have had a lot of um, groundwork laid up until this moment. And they just haven't had that moment yet where they've really come to belief in Jesus. And just like these people, there's still hope for them that they can come to faith, that they can believe. And so let's keep praying for them. Let's keep uh, sharing the truth with them. Let's keep laying that foundation so that God in his time and in the power of his Holy Spirit can draw them to himself as he chooses and as he plans. And so with that, that said, these people were saying, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. And many believed in him there. And that's my prayer, is that out of this place and out of this time, it will be said, and many believed in him there. And so I ask you to join me in praying to that end, that God in his time and his purposes will draw many to himself. Because while some don't believe in Jesus, many see the proof in Scripture and in his life, and they do believe. So with that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, for... The word as it was preached today, Lord, I pray that you take it and, and use it in our lives. Help us to, to know that your word is truth, that it is the source of truth that we can rely on, that we can trust, and we can base our lives on. 
Lord, use it in our lives. Use it um, to point us to who you are and who you want us to be. And God, I pray all of this in Christ's holy name. Amen.